Coming up on Raisin Bread. When I was young, I grew up in a pretty, you know, pretty poor circumstance. Uh, we had one bedroom, four kids, single widowed mother who was an immigrant, um, did barely spoke English, to be frank. Uh, I think my mom was making like 15 grand a year or something like that, working at our elementary school, which we wouldn't have been able to go to. If she didn't work at our elementary school. And um, I remember thinking that all college graduates knew who Michael Jordan, like they knew him personally. And they all hung out at the Sears Tower, which is now known as Willis Tower. So that was my frame for the world. Who is Chamonth? Who is Chamonth? Uh, can I start by describing him as a dildo? Yes. Like I remember, like I remember hearing the word brunched for the first time when I was in college. And I was like, oh my God, white people, you guys are brilliant. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Raisin Bread uh, with Basil and Ben. And today's guest. The great Mr. John Fakuri. So a round of What's applause up, everyone? to him. Round of applause Wasted to him. applause. Yeah. John, what do you do? What's your deal? Why are you here? Um, what's my deal? I don't know, man. I'm just like I'm like semi retired dad living life. Uh, I don't know, like deal. Damn, that was like such a weird question that I ask everyone else, but I can't answer myself. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I think you and I met um, on social audio apps. And uh, I think the crossover of that is like my fascination with digital assets, or actually digital asset. Everything else is garbage besides Bitcoin, in my opinion. So there's that. But yeah, man, I'm just like full time dad. Um, started my, uh, you know, grew up in Chicago, grew up in the hood, single widows, like, you know, mother of four, the youngest of, ch of four. Um, kind of just been grinding ever since. Finally got to a place where I like grinding a little less, enjoying a little bit more. Um, but yeah, man, mostly a full-time dad, part-time CEO. Um, nice. Focused on some new goals now. And yeah, man, hanging out with you today. That's my deal. Well, thank you. Yeah, I know. What's your deal is a little bit of aggressive, but uh, it's, all right. it's it. all right. It's broad. Hopefully that suffices for now. Yeah, no, I mean, it's better than the first question, like the alternative question I considered, which is like, is it true that you are a dirty Arab? And that I feel like would have been way too exact. Like, but my Arab family doesn't accept me. They, I'm like not Arab enough. You know what I mean? So mean? there's like there's that kind of weird <laughs> dynamic where it's just like somehow I think like when I like I think when I joined a country club I was like de-Arabized. You know what I mean? There's like yo, you're white now. You know? So there's that. Isn't that the dream though? Like I grew up in an yeah, Arab I don't family. Know. But... I don't mind. I like my mom. I like my siblings. They're cool. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, John, uh, despite my aggressive sure, and uh, vaguely racist questions. Uh, but you know me well enough that I would have gone that, down that route anyway. Um, I mean, you're out in Chicago. You're still doing the Bitcoin stuff, I'm guessing. How much money did you lose in this recent um, You were breaking up a little bit, but I think you were talking about how much did I lose. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin trope, you know, 101 is one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. So I haven't lost any Bitcoin. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in divorce and <laughs> see how much Bitcoin I lose. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So wait, what do you mean? By, okay, I know what one Bitcoin, like when you say one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, I understand what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I denominate like everything against Bitcoin. So, Basil, you're jumping in and out for me, but uh, hopefully the recording's still working. Ben, is he in there for you? Or is, is it him or me? No, it's the same for me, but rest it's assured, okay. it still records um, it's okay. clean. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, to answer the question, though, um, you know, one of, one of the things is, like, 
if you're using a measuring stick, you want to use a consistent measuring stick. And we actually know the supply of Bitcoin. And so it's a much easier measuring stick to actually use. Um, one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin is within about 10 minutes, we know the exact amount of all the Bitcoin on the planet, um, you know, maybe subject to like, like a, a loss ratio of some sorts, right? It's a bunch of people lost a bunch of Bitcoin. Toshi's coins have never been touched. So, but anywho, you have like a really good idea. Meanwhile, I have no idea how many dollars exist in the world, uh, especially mm. if you understand the euro dollar market, which I'm not going to bore you with unless you really, really prod. But like, you know, um, it's an easier measuring stick for me. Um, denominating my wealth in Bitcoin is a much easier means for me to be able to understand what I'm doing. When you put anything against dollars, you see your net worth going up typically when you put things against Bitcoin, you have a real measurement of what your opportunity and hurdle costs are. And so, you know, my cost of capital is understanding what Bitcoin is. And so I'm not in any hurry to like move or sell my Bitcoin. Um, and so I'm not in a place where I'm like worried about what the fiat denominated price is on any given day. Um, people are like, oh, you're. Your Bitcoin was worth 70 grand and now it's only worth 20 grand. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, but I bought it for like 500. So shut up. Like, <laughs> like, it's like the same people that were like, you know, asking me about Bitcoin that I like, you know, gave me information on Bitcoin or all like when the price drops, they want to like do a, a, you know, a Deion Sanders like victory dance into the end zone. I'm just like, why do you want to see me take an L? Like, I don't want to see you take an L. And by the way, I don't want to brag, but I'm not taking an L right now. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this isn't like, this isn't where I'm at, but whatever. No, I, I get that, dude. I mean, like, I've, I've had people, I mean, I mean, uh, what, a couple of, I mean, a couple of guys have seen from, from, from the Bitcoin circles that we, we know of have seen people ask me, it's like, hey, Basil, how about that Bitcoin price? And I'm like, yeah, how about it? Because it's like you know, I I, I didn't I wasn't as lucky enough to to buy it at five hundred, but I bought it. Yeah, I bought it at seventy grand too, and I bought it at forty grand, and I bought it at sixty grand, and I bought it at fifty grand, and I bought it at twenty grand. In fact, in twenty seventeen, I bought the top at nineteen four, and I ate that wow. shit for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> like when we broke through twenty grand in December of twenty. When yeah. we broke through 20 grand in December of 20, it felt like when the Bulls beat the Pistons finally in the 90s. Like, that's what it felt like. But yeah, you I was just like, are. we beat them. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. It's so stupid now. I really don't. Honestly, I'm like, un, like completely unemotionally affected by the price of Bitcoin. I yeah, really yeah, don't yeah. care. Yeah, fuck Kevin Garnett. No, I mean, like, the, the <laughs> thing is, like, like, that was, he was the big bad guy as a kid. Like, hey, no, nah, you were thinking Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was it was like the Bulls and Pistons was like the Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman, was it Joe Isaiah Dumars, Thomas? Pistons. Yeah, man. A very I podcast, and we've lost. It's all good. Yeah, yeah you're all right. We've lost bed no, look, I'm still here. I'm, don't worry about it. I'm I'm big big on big on the basketball. I know about four players. I know that it's played indoors. You can tell because you call um, it the basketball. That's my favorite part. The basketball. Yeah. 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 Look, we say the airport. Nobody has a problem with that, but somehow you've got an issue with me calling it the basketball. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. John, I wanted to ask, um, first of all, pleasure to meet you, sir. Yeah, did um, I, man? I wanted to ask, um, the way that you speak so kind of nonchalantly about Bitcoin at this point speaks to, you strike me as a very confident individual. Yeah. Um, 
Wait till my two year old gets now home you and scoff. I have to like figure out how to navigate. Yeah. <laughs> where where does but like you do, where does that come from? Have you always been a confident guy? Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I guess, like, I don't really like sit there and measure my confidence. I just like, like, I know who I am. I'm 38, man. I'm not like 22 years old anymore. I imagine I was a pretty like, you know, confident 22 year old. And I think in 22, you just call him arrogant. Um, mm. but yeah, dude, like, I don't know, like, if if I don't believe in me, I don't know who I expect to believe in me. I got humans that depend on me, dude. Like, I don't, I'm not yeah. trying to sit in here and go through existential crisis trying to figure out who I am on a given day. I get after it. I go get what I want. And if I can't get it, then I work toward getting it. And so, like, I don't think about, like, measuring confidence. I'm just focused on what I'm trying to achieve. And then I just, just like, go stupidly, like, put stupid effort toward trying to achieve things. And I don't know. I don't really, like, I don't think about it in that way. But I think, like, what, to maybe to answer the core of your question, like, I'm not trying to figure out who I am. Like, I'm, right. I know who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, Was there a period where you were trying to figure out who you are? I mean... Well, like, because the reason I ask, the reason I ask to sort of flesh that out a bit more for you is, is when somebody reaches a certain level of success and a certain level of achievement in their life, it it becomes a bit of a chicken and egg question of which came first, the achievements or the confidence. Like, was it your confidence that led to your achievements, or was it your achievements that led to your confidence? Um, so I went to Lane Tech High School in Chicago, and when I was young, I grew up in a pretty you know, pretty poor circumstance. Uh, we had one bedroom, four kids, single widowed mother who was an immigrant, um, did barely mm-hmm. spoke English to be frank. Uh, I think my mom was making like 15 grand a year or something like that, working at our elementary school, which we wouldn't have been able to go to. If she didn't work at our elementary school. And um, I remember thinking that all college graduates knew who Michael Jordan, like they knew him personally, and they all hung out at the Sears Tower, which is now known as Willis So that was my frame right. for the world, right? Like that's, I didn't know college graduates. The only ones I knew, um, which I didn't know at the time, were my teachers. I didn't feel like they liked me very much. But I went to Lane Tech High School and, um, and I had some people really, wow, like you're a really bright kid and uh, you're really hardworking and you show up to where you're supposed to be and do the things you're supposed to do. And I was like, who, me? And I think it was like the first time I had like positive reinforcement in a real way. And I was able to like look around the room and be like, yeah, like I'm as smart or smarter than the rest of these kids. I work harder as hard or harder than the rest of these kids. I am as capable or more capable than the rest of these kids. And so I would tell you like if there was like a specific turning point, like a specific trajectory change, it was probably Lane Tech. Um, I remember <laughs> I quit the basketball team because I got a job at Nordstrom selling high-end lady shoes on Michigan Avenue. I swear to God, that's like the job that I missed most. Like if I could go do anything without like opportunity cost being, you know, bore into like the, the sort of the function or formula, then I would just go back and sell high end lady shoes before the internet. And dude, <laughs> I was like 18 years old and I was like the second best Nordstrom shoe salesperson on the planet. And dude, I was making absurd amount of money as like a 17, 18 year old. And I think that also helped to kind of like, establish like an ability to like i could talk to anybody like you know i'm on michigan avenue chicago it's really high net worth people like real movers and shakers and like and i was just you know commanding attention and you know getting done and you know going back to school and you know killing it at school or whatever right and so like i don't know like i have to do everything on my own i have to like figure it out on my own Um, you know i mentioned my father wasn't around my father was killed my mom was pregnant with me and so like i became a man on my own you know and like 
I didn't have a lot of time and like a lot of like, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, room for error and like, oh my God, you like, like have these like existential crises. Like I just have to get after it, dude. And so like, like, I didn't really have a lot of time to like sit there and wallow in like dumb shit, you know, just like for better, for worse. Like it's just kind of who, like I sort of always was like, I mean, the only other memory that I have in terms of like being able to like establish that maybe I was sort of different was I remember being in the first grade, which is so retarded that I'm telling this story. Like, I, like you should make fun of me right now for telling the story. But I remember being in the first grade, Miss Polson. I don't remember my second grade teacher. I don't remember my third grade teacher, but I remember my first grade teacher and she would have these flashcards and she'd put the flashcard up and I would just answer the question before the other 30 idiots in the room would answer the question. And then finally, Miss Polson took me into the hallway and she said, hey, John, we're going to play a new game. And I was like, okay, this sounds great. What's the new game? And she's just like, whenever you know the answer, I want you to just be quiet. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, this is, this sounds, this sounds suspect. But anywho, so I think that was another moment for me um, where I just sort of knew that like my brain worked different than the you know people around me. And I don't know. So like, I guess like the core question is I just didn't have a lot of room for it. There was a few moments where I felt like there was like a, a clear kind of difference in terms of like what I was made of and like what a bunch of other people were made of. And I never just thought I was better than people, but I never thought people were better than me. And that was kind of the ethos mm. like by which I lived. Interesting. Uh, I, I think, I mean, your, your point about not, uh, not uh, thinking you're better than other people, but, uh, but uh, not thinking other people are better than you. I know that can be a, pretty intimidating to a certain time to a lot of people which i think is really interesting um yeah that, that's that, that that's interesting to me did you ever think you were you were too good for for something like dogecoin or did you think that was like within your lane i mean i thought that i was too good for it but it wasn't where i was going to park my hard-earning money and like park my wealth like i was i recognized how much of a joke and how retarded something like that is to be completely fair. are you gonna get in trouble from using the word retarded I no know. um right, and if to... even if we do look we if if one of Sorry, the i've already decided that i'm not done. running for office when i decided to be public bro, about bro, bitcoin <laughs> bro 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 we're on our way to rumble it's a matter of all right. Yeah. I was just saying, my, 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 uh, <laughs> like, so, do you know? Do you know who Josh Unseth is? Do you know Jim Seth by chance, Basil? No, I don't. Who's so, that? so Josh is an early Bitcoiner who uh, who had a like the was like kind of the focal point of Bitcoin with his podcast, Bitcoin Uncensored, which you can't find because it's been like wiped off the internet. But like, um, I told Josh when I decided to be his friend. It was like the same day I decided that I definitely wasn't going to run for public office. And so I've already like <laughs> eradicated it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, good. I, don't know, I, can, I can claim you now. So it's all good. I, but yeah. I, I remember Bitcoin Uncensored and I can see like, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't realize that was his name. Frick, that's so funny. Yeah, no. Uh, he's a wild one, to say the he's least. Hilarious. He's got like he's a 140 IQ. Yeah. he's very funny he's very funny well i mean uh, did you even make money on doge I, the only reason why i asked no, i never bought i never bought doge i bought a bunch of bitcoins early in um in 15 or like late 15 early 16 i was just buying shit. i didn't know what the fuck i was buying i was reading all these white papers like they were pitch decks and i thought i was like onto something and all i was doing was costing me a digit in my net worth by getting lost in bitcoin <laughs> Well, I want to ask, as someone, as, as something of a novice in this space, um, at this point, listeners are probably tired of hearing me refer to myself as a novice, but 
that won't stop me. What makes you say like what is why is the rest of it all sh- like why uh, well, like, there's there's a couple of reasons. On. Um so one, um like we have securities laws in you know the most powerful and richest countries in the world and all of these things by any measure of like the Howey test, which I won't bore you with, but it's just a measure of being able to understand whether something is a security or not. It, these, these are all just unregistered. No, bore us with it. Bore us with it. I want to hear. Well, I mean, the Howie, oh, yeah. the Howie, so there's a Howie test that basically just like, yo, if I, I mean, maybe you can link this, you know, during your podcast, like put a link to the Howie test. But basically what Howie test says is, yo, if you're giving someone money with the expectations of profit, which basically if you just listen to, you know, Vitalik talk about Ethereum in the early days, there's just no argument that it wasn't absolute security. Um, that, that these things are unregistered security. The difference with Bitcoin is that there is no ruler. There are just rules. Like we all are just opting into something. It's like basketball. Well, we have a 10 foot hoop. Right. We got like a certain court. You know, you can't beat someone over the head when they when they have the ball, right? We just adopt these rules. And if you don't follow those rules, then you're not playing basketball. So simply put, the first part of this is like, from a pragmatic standpoint, I wouldn't expose myself to risk with unregistered security. Right now, there's a really, really high profile case with something called Ripple XRP. Ripple is a company. XRP is a token they've issued. And these founders of all they've done is extract value from a bunch of idiots around the planet and dump bags on their heads. I'm like, that's all that's happened. So like one of the beauties of like the enigma of Satoshi Nakamoto not being known and not revealing himself and never removing these, you know, million coins where whereby he could be one of the wealthiest persons on the planet if he were to just, you know, ultimately move these coins, is it's had a sort of an immaculate conception. You know, and I think you sort of know what I mean by immaculate conception, but for the audience's sake yeah. is that you cannot do this twice. So when, when Satoshi, like, you know, created Bitcoin or when this group of people, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto created Bitcoin, they couldn't have known that it was going to be worth a trillion dollars at some point. They couldn't know it was going to be worth half a billion dollars. They couldn't have known the, like, the real expanse of it. And certainly it wasn't. It traded without value for a long time. Like it didn't even have a dollar denominated value for a long time. But what's happened is people saw that and they've basically been trying to copy that shit over and over and over and over and over. Mm. And what you basically have is a bunch of like unregistered forks of Bitcoin. And what do they do? They'll sell you shit like, oh, Dogecoin is faster. And XRP is faster. And BSV has bigger blocks so you can fit more transactions in it. And it's kind of like telling me this, Ben. It's kind of like bragging about how oh, you guys play. Well, you're from Australia. That we, UK. That yes. UK. All right. It's yes, like kind of like being like, yeah, touche. Um, <laughs> like mixed up the other Western white countries all at the same time. Like it's not Canada. It's definitely not Canada. Uh, uh, but anywho, it's kind of like being like, yo, I can kick a ball with like incredible pace, right? But the problem is you realize you're talking to the basketball coach and it just doesn't matter, right? Right. Like, right. <laughs> and so. Like this idea, like, so like people get lost in like this idea of blockchain being innovative technology. No, it's old as fuck. It's been around since like the late 80s, early 90s. What you find is that most things are better centralized. They make sense to be centralized. Apple makes sense to be centralized. Like if you had a bunch of democratic votes around Apple, then Steve Jobs' brilliance and, and, and Steve Wozniak's brilliance wouldn't have allowed to be led to leading a company, right? Like the same thing with Tesla, the same thing with Netflix, like on and on and on. And what you find is that there are very few things that make sense to be decentralized. And the only thing that blockchain has ever proven itself to be worthy of or to be like a proper application to, then money. Makes sense that to be able to like record the world's money, makes sense for that to be decentralized. So we can all have eyes on it. So it can move really slow. So it doesn't break. And here we are 14 years later, 
and no one's been able to hack a trillion dollar bounty. Not one person on the planet, not a group of people, not a nation state. So like the brilliance of Bitcoin is that it's decentralized and it's the only thing that is fully decentralized. Everything else, everything else has a centralizing force. And that's one of the reasons why everything else is garbage. I, I mean, I agree with, I, I mean, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I got lucky with Doge, as you know, and, uh, but it was just honestly, what? it was like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I, it, was, I, it was memes. It was memes being pushed by a bunch of idiots on the internet and, you know, one, you know, enigmatic character named Elon Musk, who absolutely knows that this thing's a joke and doesn't actually think it's real. Right. Um, right. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the founders of Doge actually made it as a joke to make fun of the ICO craze right. of 2017. Right. Like the, they literally created this shit as a joke, and then the world <laughs> kind of started to believe it's a joke because we live in a Kim Kardashian world where like things get valued that shouldn't have any value. Yeah, and, well, to and, me, and it's like well, it's almost it's almost like I don't know, it's 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 laughing in a way. It's to me, it's the same as like it's the same as the whole GameStop thing. It's sure. people just getting involved for yeah. the sake of getting involved. Yeah. They want to get involved because, fuck it, why not? Let's 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 get a collective together, a group of people together, and let's let's do something and see what happens. And like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I I I. Well, I disagree. There is a bunch wrong with that. It's a Ponzi, right? You could even argue that early okay. in Bitcoin's days it was a Ponzi, but it no longer is, and it can't be, right? And it certainly isn't a Ponzi for one person, right? Like, it's why not like not? one person why? is leading this. Yeah. Well, why, because why I mean, the definition of a Ponzi is absolutely eradicated by like what Bitcoin is. So, for instance, like again, there is nobody that owns Bitcoin. There's nobody that issued Bitcoin. It's a fair launch to this thing. Satoshi made a uh, an announcement to the world. Anybody could have like mined these coins. Um, in fact, he still hasn't moved these million coins. Like he could be like the rich one of the richest dudes on the planet. Still hasn't touched it, right? And like you can say, well, maybe he will down the road. Okay, well, even if he does, doesn't matter. It doesn't change the rule like James Naismith inventing basketball, but he couldn't play on a fucking court with these dudes, right? So it doesn't matter, right? Like, like, like the idea of it, like, is that you can't replicate that immaculate conception twice and recognizing right. that is like a thing. Like now you know that this works. The other part of this too is like to be familiar with the dip, like what actually Bitcoin solved, right? Bitcoin solved the, double, the, the Byzantine general problem, ultimately the double spend problem. And like, the you what? don't like- wait wait, 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 slow down, slow down. Because, because remember- uh, most people on YouTube, uh, and this is an insult to the are buying Dogecoin because they're retarded. Yeah. <laughs> He's not with us. He's yeah. we don't. We're not that close. <laughs> so that's on John, and it's at John for quarter. No, I'm just kidding. Go on. Look, the day we is... get removed, the day we get removed from YouTube is genuinely the day that I start taking this channel seriously. <laughs> we we we. <laughs> That, that's when I know we found our stride. Like, look, if we want to call the audience retards, there's enough masochists out there that'll enjoy it. <laughs> but I want to, you're, you're right. Yeah, let's go into that. I want, what do you, yeah, 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 I want to hear Byzantine that. Byzantine so I'll take it even a step back. I don't even see Bitcoin as an invention. I see it as a discovery. So once the cat's out of the bag, you can't like stop it, right? right? Like, and that's a difference. Mm. Like, it's like, it's like a re revelation to the world. It isn't like some, something that could be patented, for instance, right? Um, and my, like, can you patent fire? You know what I mean? Like, of course not. Right. Right? It's a discovery. Um, and so my take on it is that like, and, and, and one of the things that you have to recognize is that none of these other things have solved the Byzantine general's problem. Right. And so what you understand is the Byzantine general problem, if you're familiar with it, and I imagine most of these idiots oh, that are no. buying Dogecoin aren't. Um, so let me help you with that a little bit. 
So like what basically is Byzantine general's problem is basically how they could attack Constantinople, the walls of Constantinople, right? And so okay. basically what it is is like, you know, they need to have a coordinated attack, right? But they have to send messengers to these other generals all around the walls because if they don't attack all at once, then they will not be successful. And what you find is that um, ultimately, like the problem that was being presented in the double, or excuse me, not in the double spend, but the Byzantine general's problem is that like, and you could send a messenger, but there was no way of knowing if that messenger would be caught, corrupted, if the message would be intercepted. And so like, there would be this like, well, can we go? Oh, can we not go? But if we don't go all at the same time, it will not be successful. And so basically what you find is that with Bitcoin being an open network protocol, right? Like it's an open source network. It's just code, right? Right? Yeah. Like, it's not like if people think about the token, right? And they think about the value of the token and that's fine, but it also is a network, right? And there are hundreds of thousands of nodes across the planet. And all that means is that we all have a copy of everything that's happened on the Bitcoin network from inception since, you know, 09, right. like the first block being mine, the Genesis block. And so what you see is that like anybody can verify this. Anybody can, can manage this. Now, unlike other, unlike other coins and, and altcoins, what you find is that there are these centralizing forces and these validators, if you will, that are going to tell you whether or not a transaction can be processed or not, which really limits the real value of money, right? If it's, if it's not censorship resistant, right, which something like 90 something percent of, of, uh, of, of Ethereum nodes, for instance, we'll use Ethereum because it's like the second largest and second most recognizable cryptocurrency. Um, like one, most of these nodes are in Amazon. Right? Like, like if you wanted to shut this thing down, the government calls Amazon. And like, yo, you want to stay a uh, security in this country? Great. Well, you're gonna have to give up all these nodes, right? The other piece of this too is it's just a re re reinvention of like the central banking system to which why or which Bitcoin was basically invented to to like supplant and to to ultimately push back on and to act as yeah. a check on governments that print way too much money and by their thereby debasing the money, thereby robbing you of your time energy that you've stored in their money. And so the reality of it is, is that like everything else, everything else doesn't solve the Byzantine general's problem. Everything else is centralized. Everything else is absolutely easy to stop. Everything else is not censorship resistant. And what you find is that you don't need multiple things of the same you don't need the same invention twice you don't need two types of fire right <laughs> like okay. and i think like to start to think about it in that and in, in that framing is like a more helpful real realization to why the other 19,999 things are just absolutely useless as it pertains to what matters and that's money interesting what do you mean just quickly to round off this cuz the uh the I've already learning a lot what do you mean when you say that it is i can't remember the word that you just used to describe it it was um oh it's just it's just left my head what the fucking hell censorship resistance censorship resistance so what do you mean by censorship in this context all right so um we live in western countries um and for the most part our day-to-day -day transactions aren't censored but they're certainly monitored um anything over $10, oh so you, you mean literally like, like the idea of paypal inhibiting who can use the platform? Is that sure. is that what we're talking about? Right. Yeah. Or just like, you know, like if, if, if there are plenty of people that basically get their bank account shut down because of like a weird transaction as seen by the government because they sent some money to their cousins in Lebanon or, you know, 
Right. Uh, you send some money to your friends in Turkey or Egypt yep. or whatever, right? And I mean, there's all types of other like considerations, right? But like, imagine being in Nigeria right now. There's a massive crisis in Nigeria that's taking place, and I'm hardly the expert on this. But like, ultimately, they're retiring certain bills and they're trying to move to an electronic form of currency where they can control spend, right? Like, eventually, we're going to have all types of, in my mind, controls that are really, really sort of like mm. super, super big brother, super dystopian, um, really, yeah. really difficult process in the form of freedom. Like, like I believe it's an inalienable right to transact. And if I want to send you yeah. money, Ben, and you want to do a service for me, that we should be able to freely do that, right? If I want to purchase a good from you. And what I'm suggesting to you is that well, this might be a good flag for my friend Vijay Boyapati, who wrote a, a book or originally an article called The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. And what you find is when you're like, you know, like leaving borders, right? Or you're fleeing a country, as an example, which, you know, we're lucky enough to not have to deal with in America or in, in the UK, perhaps. But like, there are oh, plenty of parts of the world. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> Fucker lives on two different islands, right? That nobody cares to go to. Um, <laughs> It's like, you know the funny thing I find about the UK and Australia? It's just like, how do you have these dope-ass places where the best cuisine there is not the native cuisine? Like, UK food. Yeah. Right? And what do you guys got? Kangaroo See that, like, you're you know now, I mean? You're like, reminding me, there is a fantastic, if you're not familiar with him, I introduced Baz to him recently. There's a fantastic British comedian called Al Murray who does a fantastic bit about why britain because he obviously he he's, he plays this character of what we would call a little englander somebody who thinks that england is the greatest place in the world and he talks about how england was set didn't go to the moon and he goes like no why there's no point there was nothing to be gained in the realm of hot and spicy food or olympic quality <laughs> athletes yeah i mean and like he, just, just tell me about your favorite uk restaurant in the united states about right. tell me about your favorite australian cuisine in the middle right. of chicago right like all the good food in London is Indian, right? Like let's just keep it real. But like, anywho, so 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 the point is, um, like, you know, you 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 find yourself like evaluating these these characteristics, right? And so we're fortunate enough in the Western world not to have to flee our country, and you know our dollar works pretty damn well, and you, you're whatever the hell you guys call your um um, um currency, the pound. It doesn't or, matter. It yeah. doesn't. Let's uh, be honest. <laughs> and so we're talking about well, real money. What you find is that like it, it, it's less important, right? But there are tons of people that basically have to leave their land. And the beauty of Bitcoin or one of the beauties of Bitcoin is with 24 words, me being able to memorize something less than the goddamn alphabet allows for me to be able to carry 10 grand, 100 grand, 10 billion across the border yeah. in a way that cannot be confiscated, that cannot be stopped, that cannot be censored, that is fully immutable and absolutely like cryptographically secure, you are more likely, like there are more possibilities, right? Like when you start to think about the security of Bitcoin and guessing someone's seed phrase, like the odds of that is like finding any one particular atom in the fucking universe, right? Wrap your yeah. mind around that, right? And so like what I'm, what I'm suggesting is like, okay, like say, I don't know, say you had like $5 million of wealth, right? Like $5 million, okay? And say you had that in gold, right? Yeah. How do you move that out of your country? Do you need to sleep? Do you know what five million gold, five million dollars worth of gold weighs? Ben, <laughs> two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah. Picture a little Indian auntie leaving India, two hundred and forty pound suitcase trying to get on a plane to go to, you know, Australia or UK or the US. It's not happening. 
That's just five million dollars. It's not even that much money for you know. I mean, it's not like you know. If I lost five million dollars, I'd know I lost it. But like, right, that's not a lot right. of money. Not, not so anywho, man, like you start to really look at these characteristics, and people don't really understand money, and as a result, they don't understand like things like Bitcoin because Bitcoin isn't a stock, it isn't Apple, it isn't a Netflix alternative, it isn't a real estate alternative. It is the money. It's money, and it's perfectly designed to money. And so when people say, "Do you invest in Bitcoin?" I say, "No." Do I own Bitcoin? Maybe. Yeah. And um, what I do is I just change dollars for real money, and that's how I I view Bitcoin. So 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 wow. this is all this is all good and and this is all interesting but here here's the thing what do you say to people who who might say okay well what about what about spaces that 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 are open for or immoral or illegal activity like is there a space between the limitations and censorship and and, and complete anarchy like are there any transactions that, that you think shouldn't be protected. And this kind of goes along with this bigger idea I want, I'm, I want to hear from, from you on, which is, you know, does, does Bitcoin need to be regulated? Does it need, does it need to be regulated? In order yeah, these are massive fallacies that people struggle with. And I, I understand why they, they say that. So the first part of your question is, do you know what I would use if I wanted to like get involved in something illegal? Not something that everybody on the planet can log into and see for the rest of time. <laughs> Right. And that's ultimately what Bitcoin is. It's a public ledger. It's permanently there. Instead, what I would use is something like cash. You know, that's, yeah. that's like, so, so if you really wanted to like, if you're really worried about illegal activity, right? What you're, what you should be worried about is money laundering, right? In the, right. in, in, in the right. form of cash. So like, that's the first part of your question. The second, and so yeah, no, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not like here to like propagate like Chapo selling drugs to kids and, you know, proliferation of child across the planet that's not right, like that's right, not my right, deal right like right, right. but um the other piece of it you asked is like should bitcoin be regulated it actually is regulated there's over seven or eight hundred pages in the u.s uh, in various three-letter agencies across the u.s that regulate it the cftc calls it a commodity um it's taxed there's there's guidance by the irs on how it's taxed um <laughs> there's, i mean there's limitless amounts of, of regulation and there's no shortage of people that look to regulate it now regulating it is much different than actually stopping it Right. And what you have to realize is that if you if you're familiar with the with prisoner's dilemma, right, then you realize that like that you basically again, can't again, stop Bitcoin. Again, again, um, again. Yeah, go into it. Yeah, we don't know. We this is the first Look, time we've spoken John, English. I'm literally so. here to be the resident moron. So okay. uh, this is this is the role I play. I mean, a pr prisoner's dilemma is real simple. It's just like you have to keep everybody silent, right? Like, and then everyone has an incentive to not be. And so what winds up happening is that like, okay, so say the United States wants to shut down Bitcoin. So it says it's illegal to own Bitcoin. It's okay, now what? How are you going to get that? Okay, so that's step one. Step two, does that stop Bitcoin from being, you know, legal in Africa, legal in, you know, Central and South America? Does it stop it from being legal in the UK? Right. And so what winds up happening is the U.S., where most of the Bitcoin is owned on the planet, basically is being left out of a technological innovation that the CIA and that the SEC and that a lot of areas of government recognize the power of. Like, you know, when Gary Gensler, the commissioner of the SEC, talks about Bitcoin, he talks about it the way I talk about a nine that just walked by. He talks about his Nakamoto's innovation. <laughs> wait, 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 say that. Go, go into that. No, go it's, into not, that. It's, not, it's not as good if I say it again. I mean, just saying, like, he literally talks about it, the innovation of Nakamoto. Nakamoto's innovation. Nakamoto consensus. 
right? Go listen. I mean, go watch him, you know, talk to Congress about it. What does he say about everything else? He says, hey, come register with the SEC. You are unregistered securities. You are, you are, you know, you are operating with no disclosures. You are ultimately running vaporware, right? Do you know, do you know what would stop a bunch of these shit coins, right? If they just had to submit a financial statement, because what do they do? So what they do is they offer these coins. They're predestined to a bunch of people that are insiders. Um, I get offered to get to get inside, you know, to, to get on the pre-minds of some of these things sometimes. Some of my friends on Clubhouse do too. Uh, I've never participated for full disclosure. Um, but my, my take on it is that like you basically have a one-time sale and then you have speculation by a bunch of idiots that buy AMC and buy, you know, what was it, Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever else and Dogecoin. <laughs> since we're talking about that. And basically, it's a game for the wealthy to extract money from idiots and retail, unsuspecting retail things. And so, like, if they have to submit financial statements, what you would find is that there's no revenue. <laughs> yeah. There's no operating expenses. Yep. There's just a bunch of dudes uh, that are basically doing this one-time Ponzi and hoping to continue to build up market value. And, and, and what's happened in this last cycle that sort of made it completely prosthetized is just that, like, um, you've had VCs from Silicon Valley to Greenwich participate in the market making. And so they've injected a tremendous amount of liquidity. And then you, what you have is the debacle that is FTX, the debacle that is Three Arrows Capital, the debacle that is BlockFi. And all these people have basically lost a lot of money because people were basically involved in Ponzi's. And, and it's, that's because it's, there's no underlying value there. That's the, that's the reality of it. And it's sad too because when you watch, because you know me, I, I I'm I'm a chart guy, and it's interesting. Like the like, it's like clearly there's a bot at work here, right? When you're looking at, especially when you're looking at some of these like coins with sort of smaller market caps and the patterns that they take, and it's like, dang, you guys are not even. Oh, it's worse trying. than that. Some of these exchanges have trading desks that are like are able to front run these deals, right? Like like a lot of what minor extractive right. value is is that like. Like what the Ethereum nodes do is effectively like extract value through mine. It's, it's a game where like it's, it's casino. It's like yep. you know, tails you tails you lose, heads I win. <laughs> you know, it's just very <laughs> obvious, right? Yep. And 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 it's because these are centralized forces. I mean, listen, I don't pretend to know everything about every coin. There's twenty thousand of them. There's hundreds of them that come online every every month. But the pattern is very similar. And being able to replicate what Bitcoin is is impossible. And it's not useful, right? Like unless technology is like 10 to 100x better, right? And this isn't my idea, by the way. But unless it's 10 to 100x better, it doesn't really do anything. And I'm open-minded. Listen, I'm totally open to something coming along one day and being better than Bitcoin. But I haven't seen it yet. Do you think, do you think that'll ever happen with DeFi? I don't think De DeFi is... So, the, the, the idea, so do you know what DeFi stands for? Decentralized finance. Do you know what I haven't seen one of these things be? Decentralized at all. They're all issued by a centralized company. Yeah. Like there's offices, there's yeah. people, there's founders, there's people that hold these pre-minds. So I think the idea of DeFi is cute and cuddly in the narrative of, oh, well, we're going to bank the unbanked. You know what they did? They banked on the unbanked. On the unbanked. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's exactly what they did. And that's- They that's took advantage of the most me. vulnerable and poor people across the planet. Yep. And they- And they can drive a Lamborghini. Like you know, exhibit the, small dick energy. It was terrible. <laughs> well, the, 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 the thing about me that, that especially bothers me about the DeFi people is the sort of the manufactured, the manufactured use cases that I keep coming across. 
Right. And I don't know. I've read all kinds of things where it's like, man, the way you're talking, it feels like you're speaking in an, an impenetrable manner deliberately. Like if you try to read one white paper from any of these, like any of the, I don't know, pick a, pick a D5 coin, whatever. It, uh, I have friends with PhDs in mathematics who, whom I've handed white papers to and they've, you know, responded, uh, you know, they've given me their thoughts on things and they've just said, this is gibberish. I really don't know what to make of this. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm the thing honest. about the, the thing about like this space, which is yeah. Bitcoin and everything else, right? Is that like, it's incredibly lucrative to be in the wild, wild west, print money out of thin air, pass it off as money through like fake liquidity injections, right? Like no different yeah. than a, you know, a lip filler on some chick, right? And like, you know, then watch that thing evaporate over time as they extract the value from it, right? Like go watch the interview in the All In podcast about Chamath talking about Solana. Do you know what he bought Solana I for? Hate, yeah. I Go on, go on. Well, I mean, he just, he's laughing at you while he's taking your money, right? Like they bought it for fractions of a penny. They injected liquidity into it. They had a lockup period for who knows, six months, 12 months, 18 months. For, for, and then as soon quick, as the lockup period is Chamath? Who is Chamath? Uh, can I start by describing him as a dildo? Yes. Yeah. Um, Chamath yes, is an early Facebook investor, as I understand it. Um, you he's know, the worst, then, if you don't know who he is. He's a venture. He's a vulture capitalist. He's done a bunch of SPACs, um, including Virgin and a bunch of others, whereby they pump the value of something, they take it to IPO, it dumps, he makes a ton of money, runs away in a parachute, and then he's heralded as like some dope dude. So but yeah, he isn't. Um, yeah. And what he's been, he's been part of, along with A16Z and Mark Andreessen and Chris Horowitz or Ben Horowitz, pardon me, Chris La or Chris Dixon and a bunch of these other, you know, like VC dudes out of out of uh, uh, San Francisco and, and, and the, uh, the Bay Area, are just like, these guys are basically part of like Ponzi creations and these are, they have the same pattern. They inject liquidity, they get into it, they pre-mine pre these coins, which is another thing that didn't happen with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is mined, it wasn't pre-mined, it wasn't distributed. Like something like 70% of Ethereum was distributed before it ever like came to market. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Right? Like, how is that real? Right. And so like when you try to compare these things, you start to look at like the unfairness of it. Right. Um, yeah. um, and so well, what I would suggest is like Chamath has been incredibly instrumental in helping to prop up these Ponzi's, injecting capital into these things and then ultimately making them look like they're real, um, talking about it like it's real, marketing it like it's real. Meanwhile, what he's doing is buying it for fractions of a penny, pumping the stuff up to hundreds of dollars per coin and then, you know, extracting tens of millions, hundreds of millions, in some cases, billions of dollars. And then, you know, dumping bags on, you know, mom and pops, aunts and uncles, firefighters, teachers, bus drivers, just like average everyday folks that are just trying to figure out a way to not lose value in the money where they have 10% inflation, that, you know, um, and, you know, if, if the Fed does it right, they only lose 2% of their money year over year, don't have the ability to invest in sophisticated things, don't have the ability to do research on like, right. you know, stocks and bonds and understand the Ponzi's that those can be sometimes too, right? Like they're just hardworking folks and they get bags dumped on their head. So yeah, Chamath's a real stand-up dude is what I mean to say. <laughs> Yo, when he, when he wrote his book and was doing the book rounds, man, I just was like, I can't believe you let this slime ball on. I think even Lex Friedman did 
an interview with him and i was just like jesus christ dude that dude's retarded too just for the record he doesn't understand (laughs) the point at all it's just like he's got like we've talked to him a lot in clubhouse we've tried to explain this stuff to him um him and what's that what what is what is the misunderstanding so what is it what are you what is he not getting because like so to give you a bit of background on this go on go on so i mean i think lex understands like people like like mistake like domain expertise for like brilliance you know it's just the like correct you can operate (laughs) on someone's spine and so somehow you're going to be some brilliant stock broker or like trader or whatever right like um, or, you know, you are some mathematician like Eric Weinstein, but don't understand digital scarcity, for instance, right? Like, so like, I don't know. I guess, like, it's hard for me to tell you where I think Lex is missing it. But you know what I actually think it is? Mm-hmm. Like, what I actually think? He got his feelings hurt by a bunch of fucking, you know, imbeciles on Bitcoin Twitter that, quite frankly, annoy me just as much as they annoy them. And, like, you know, they just happen to own some of the same assets that I own. But, like... From a personality trait perspective, I just don't behave like right. those humans. And so I honestly think he got his feelings hurt. I mean, he got his feelings hurt. He can't be able to like dissect like how to allocate his funds and how to allocate investment into his portfolio. And like the dude's a robotics guy, you know, and like the people that he's interviewed about Bitcoin, you can tell just by the questions he's asking that he hasn't dug in, he hasn't done the work, and he isn't really that interested to do the work. And like maybe it's because he wants to build cute robots. You know, it's like, all right, go build cute robots, bro. That you call it cute robots, the backhand mm-hmm. from downtown, uh, John Fakuri. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I try not to watch Lex's Bitcoin interviews. His, his engineer. I, I really like the the point though that you brought up about just people confusing domain expertise with you know a general capacity to understand a variety of things. Right? It's almost as if you spend years in uh, one craft to develop an expertise. And that doesn't suddenly transmute to another skill because you have to put in the same time uh, to understand that thing or something. Uh, That's why doctors are terrible at business and like they're terrible at like investment management, how they manage their money. That's why engineers are, bro. I'm a software engineer. You know how many software engineers don't know how to do business? Like don't don't understand basic business practices? Like maybe, maybe, but like engineers don't have to wait till like they're thirty to make their first their first few bucks and then you know have the emotional maturity of a twenty seven you know a twenty two year old. So at least they can make some of those mistakes and have the time value of money on their side. So I mean I don't know. Like I don't mean to like beat up the doctor. The girl I'm dating is gonna see this at some point. I'm gonna be fucked because she's she's a doctor too. (laughs) That's yeah. um, Go on. No, but she does saying, understand Bitcoin, by the way. She gets Bitcoin, which is kind of sexy. Nice, nice. I wanted to ask, like that chap, his name once again, this vulture capitalist, as you called him, Cha Chamath Palatapia Palatapia. Right. I don't know. Right. Okay. We'll stick, we'll stick with the first name. name. We'll stick with the first name. Yeah. But um, I wanted to ask, where where do you put somebody like Elon? in that realm of these guys that have huge financial weight to throw around where where's the line between well, let, let, let's, let's, we could look at it very simply right elon bought a billion and a half dollars put it on tesla's balance sheet so tesla if you own tesla you have exposure to bitcoin do you know how much dogecoin even though he tweets about dogecoin and puts these dogs you know how much dogecoin tesla owns is it zero hmm. zero I'm with you guys yeah. 
he knows what it is. So like my, my good friend American Hoddle, who Ben you probably heard on Clubhouse, he has this great um, meme. He's just like Bitcoiners are into Bitcoin too. They're just into your Bitcoin. That's what they do. <laughs> they use shit coins. Like the guys that I know that are totally into Bitcoin, or excuse me, that are totally into shit coins that really get it, like the guys that are really fucking murdering it, what they do is they use shit coins to get more Bitcoin. They denominate their wealth in Bitcoin. Correct. Right, 100%. No, hey, do you guys only want to talk about Bitcoin? Because like, I'm more interesting than Bitcoin, I think. I mean, I'm not interesting at all, but I'm more interesting than just Bitcoin. Or I'm more well, interested in things than just Bitcoin. But it's up to you guys. I'm just here to no, see uh, you. It was more to do with like, the risk of a terrible, terrible pun. It was just mining that bit of the conversation where like that that was going. I hate like, you. I really do. I didn't, I look, I I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I love, I'm just proud know, of myself for making a crypto reference. I'll be honest seven, with you. Seven shows with this English fuck and every single one, like everyone just more unbearable. I'd give that guy some of my Bitcoin for his hair. Like I got to go to Turkey to get another hair transplant. You know? It's like, look at, look at these beautiful features, but I don't have that hair, you know? I'm just, I'm but, sick of being told that I look like Jack Harlow. That's the one that's really No, get, no, no, really no. It's, you don't look like Jack Harlow. You look like a rough draft of Jack Harlow. Before this <laughs> fucked away. up. It's so and fucked then, up. Then ben, how old are you, bro? Ben, I'm how old 27. All right, holler at me when you're 35 with two kids. I want to see what your hair looks like. <laughs> He's on his All way. Right. Bet, he's, engaged, bet. he's engaged he's engaged so he's, here's he's what i try to remind people that that are like experiencing hair loss like it means you got a fuck ton of testosterone right like the dht <laughs> yeah. all right well like, look this is this is what's this is like the reason why i have to shave before every show is because i can't let this grow out because nobody will believe that puberty happened. i shaved right before the show and it's already fucking and back, it's already coming know? back right yeah. but, but that's that, that, that testosterone that's fucks us up there that's though because testosterone it takes it it yeah, high testosterone takes away from the follicles on your head, but adds yeah. to the follicles everywhere else. On the else. body, yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. did that, how did evolution come up with that? I gotta part? be honest, if you told me, yo, you can be bald, because the thing is, it's not a problem being bald, it's just if you're bald and fat, right? Like, if you're bald and jacked, yes. it's all good. And so I keep fit, yeah. you know, I work out every day, okay. sometimes twice a day, sometimes three times a day, um, hashtag retired life, but like... Oh, yeah. The reality of it is, like, if you're, if you can be bald, but you can't be fat and bald. But if you're rich enough, you can have hair. And so you've got to buy hair. So here's the thing that is really is a lot harder, and I'm going to help you with this. What's a lot harder to do is to not have a refractory period and be able to fuck all night. That's much harder to achieve, right? Like, even Viagra doesn't get you that. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing we've taken a turn. In this podcast, I was trying to get out the Bitcoin world. Yeah, let's do it. Wait, 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 wait. Here's why. Here's why. Because the first thing I like to do with people is just like, why the fuck do we have this guy on? Why do we? Why is he interested? That's a great question, by the way. I don't blame you for asking that. (laughs) Not I. For me, like the answer for me personally, because I know you. I love. I just like listen. It doesn't matter whether it's Bitcoin or not. I can listen to you and and fuck around and joke around with you all day. That's that's the fun part. The listeners don't know that, right? Like the, the listeners don't know who. And I, and I yeah. told the guys, I, the way I described you is like, imagine if a wealth, a dude who like made a bunch of money uh, was like still fun to hang out with. Just like, <laughs> nor, like, could, and, like could hang out with like, uh, you know, at different levels of society, right? He could hang out with people on his level. He can hang out with people, you know, the proletariat, whatever you want to call it. That's John. So, 
So I just want people to get in. But you know, I famously what? once told my business partner, I was like, yo, I could be the only guy who's ever talked to the neighborhood drug dealer and the hedge fund manager in the same 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't that's that's a flex. Like that's a real that's a real accolade. Like you should put that goes on a resume hey, if you can do that. Do you that. wanna laugh, dude? Do you wanna laugh? So the girl that I'm seeing now, or oh man, you can't publish this for a little while. So <laughs> okay. the girl that I the girl that I like the most. The girl that's like getting me to forget about the other chicks that I'm seeing. She doesn't like when I exhibit hood. Like she doesn't like when I like pull out the hood. Right. Right. And I find that to be really fascinating because like, to me, that feels like a function of like security. We can operate in any realm, girl. Like we get a flat tire on the West side. We're still going to make it back to dinner all the way on Michigan Avenue. It's going to be good. You know? But uh, yeah, man. So I'm I'm struggling with that a little bit. I mean, I know how to turn it on and off though, too. It's not like it's like this like club that I can't. Do you know how rare that is? Do you know how rare? Like, because like some. Yeah, because most of us don't make it out of the hood. That's why. Well, no, but also, no, but also for those who do, they then suddenly position themselves above it, and they want, and they don't. They want to cut off the the tethers, right? They don't want to. They don't, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to be associated with it. And it's like, like, I remember that. I remember that even back in school, like you were talking about when you were in the first grade. I remember being at school with a kid whose dad clearly got a better job because he went to a private school. Um, so I went to a state school, as you guys call it in the States, a public school. And then he then went, he, he went, moved to the private school. Two weeks later, I was messaging him on Facebook and he went, yeah, I think I remember you. <laughs> Bear in mind, bear in mind, at the time, at the time, I still played rugby with this kid. Like I saw him on a weekly basis and he said, Yeah, I think I remember you. Now, yes, the mind of a 14-year-old is different, but the principle is still there. That is somebody who got out of the 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 masses, got out of the cesspit where the masses occupy. And then didn't want to look back. He didn't want to be tethered to those to 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 that part of his life. I mean, I can't relate to that, and I don't put a lot of no, effort into me. being who I am. I mean, it's not like I'm not like I'm like oh, you know, I'm gonna still be my genuine stuff. No, I just wake up and I'm just me. And I don't like like try to craft this individual. I'm just me. But, but, but I'm probably John, like super John, annoying. You know what I mean? I just no, I'm John, super aware of being super annoying. I don't care. It's a big. This is a, the reason why it's a big deal to me is because I've I have the, this. I'm not at your level. But I've had one of the Bitcoiners from, from your room has, has described this problem to me. He says, you're going to have a rough time because there are, you're, you're, you're smart enough to hang out with people at a certain level. And this isn't to toot my own horn, but like also, you know, you'll get bored of how sort of hoity-toity and sort of irritated with how they behave. And you're still, there's still a part of you that's good enough, that's, that's still cool with hanging out with people you know, from where you came from. And that makes it really hard to make friends um, whom you actually enjoy rather than friends whom you create either by circumstance or, or necessity. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a good, a good trait to have because I've, I've rarely met people with it, especially in, in the worlds that the world that I occupy, most of the people already come from success, right? Like, most of the most like uh you know most of the kids go to like ivy league like they go to like i went to carnegie mellon i went to mit blah 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 blah. i did it i went to a state school i don't even have an engineering degree. me too i just I picked up a bunch of books like that's it i picked up a bunch of books yeah and i just read them 
And I, I, I think about this all the time. I'd be curious to hear what you think about like what the difference is between those those sorts of people who like work their way to success and people who were like born in it and what what pluses and minuses you've seen to both sides. I mean, so I think about this in terms of like my kids, like my kids aren't going to live the life I live, right? They're going to be insulated mm. from risk in a big way. So I try to like think about like how much like adversity has formed who I am and trying to like fake adversity for my kids. So I don't know, like, I guess I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. So I don't like want to have like this pretend insightful answer, mm. except for to say that, you know, like I'm a grown ass man and I can tell when I'm talking to another grown ass man. And like yeah. people that are secure in who they are, like they're not like sitting there trying to like treat the janitor different than the CEO. Right. Not. They're just super kind people. Um, so, so if that's the case, yeah. then how are you going to instill that value, those values to your kids? If they're not, my kids are dope, man. They're so dope, man. I, listen, I flew my kids first class. Like I feel like that. I just mostly because I don't want to fly and coach. Um, and when they're old enough to sit back there by themselves, and I put them back and coach. But like, you know, you know. <laughs> but. But, but honestly, like, you know, you Wait, know are you everybody first class looking back at them, just like, no, I'm just like... going to fall asleep and eat a meal and have a glass of wine <laughs> or some shit. But like, um, you know, what I found is like, so one, I like my kids are really good kids, man. I mean, like, there's two and a half and four and a half, right? Like, it's not like they're sitting there like, you know, right. you know, on the honor roll at, at Harvard or whatever. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I flew them out to, to California by myself, two suitcases, three book bags, you know, car seats, the whole thing. People are like, yo, do you need help? I'm like, no, do you? I got like one kid on my shoulder, <laughs> in the shoulder. I'm just moving shit, you know? And um, and it's kind of weird being a single dad, you know what I mean? Because like, there's like this weird scarlet letter where everyone's just like, is, is he going to be able to handle this? I'm like, yeah, I've been a single dad even before I got divorced. What are you talking about? And so like, the take on it is like, you know, as I'm looking around, like, like people are complimenting my kids all the time. Wow, you know, we were so nervous about sitting in first class with your kids and they were joking about it as we're getting off the fight. Like, wow, your kids are so well behaved, you know? And so, like, for me, I think they already, like, I take them shopping. They don't ask for everything, you know? Like, like mm. I don't, you know, I, like, I feel like there's ways to build in, like, like risk-reward into, like, what they're doing, right? Because, like, mm. you know, if you look at the trajectory of when money matters, like, when you're zero, you're, you know, when you're, like, one years old, who cares if you have $10 million? Is it really meaningful? Right. And if you're, you know, 98 years old and you have $100 million, like, well, how meaningful is that, right? And so what you realize is, like, for kids, it's just, like, what's in that moment? What actually matters to them? And what we can do is create rewards and risk-like systems, if you will. So, I, by the way, I don't have the answer. That's just how I'm approaching it. Um, mm. I actually created a Bitcoin product for kids that tried to solve this problem a little bit. It got bought like 15 days later, so I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with it. But basically, um, I created a card called Satcentives, and it was basically a little credit card. In fact, I might have it here somewhere. Adorable. Uh, I'll find it before that. Is that, that kind of basically, like Wally? No, no. It's it's okay. basically a, a card with an NFT chip, and NFC is just the same thing you use with Apple Pay when you had to pay with Apple mm. near field communication. And what the what it'll do is it's like my kids will do chores. My kids will exhibit behaviors, and then what they'll do is I'll tell them to come to my phone. They'll bring their little credit card, their little sat sentence card, and they will. I will give them Bitcoin. Um, and you know, my kids don't want dollars; they want Bitcoin because I'm raising them right. But like the take on it is that like you know, it, 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 you you get you can sort of like you know they don't want to fuck it up because they want to get the Bitcoin, right? And mm -hmm. so. You know, I, I, I don't know. And, and then the other part of it, too, is like the idea of it wasn't to like, I don't want my kids to like be in the same circumstances I was like, I saw a lot of up shit growing up where I grew up. I, I don't want that like for them. It's part of why I worked really hard um, and had kids late because I didn't think I was in position to like really afford insulating those risks for them and sending them to the nicest schools and 
having a nice home for them and being able to expose them to different things that like, I don't know, my kids in like dance and she's about to start violin. It's like, I don't even know what the violin was, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I remember, like I remember hearing the word brunched for the first time when I was in college and I was like, Oh my God, white people, you guys are brilliant. You know, like, <laughs> you, guys, you guys woke up late and still had breakfast. And then you were like, but what if I want lunch? created this brilliant thing and i heard the funny here brunch when i was a kid i heard brunch when i was a member of a fraternity that i was too poor to be in you know so 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 on on the subject of your kids by the way to anyone listening cutest kids in the world like i i'm i'm a uh, big fan uh john knows this of any instagram picture of him with his kids cutest kids in the world now there is an argument that could be made um that their submissive sort of nature comes from their half asian side but no no no, just... no you don't know my ex-wife you don't know my ex-wife. <laughs> fair enough fair enough but 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 on, but on that on that on that you know subject okay i i, I get what you're saying you're, you're trying to raise them in a certain way but do you do you want them to have a similar growth mindset to you or do you want them like what do you, how do you see their lives per, proceeding i mean I, I want them to live the life that makes them happiest right parents talk about that and i think the road to that is like one like in, in like stealing a like a spirit of curiosity like just mm-hmm. why is things the way it is and mm-hmm. just asking questions and being curious the other piece of it is i want them just to be resilient as well I want them to take punches and I want them to like take L's and I want them to be like, you know what? Fuck the L. I'm going to go get this anyway. And honestly, everything else is kind of, and then the other thing that really matters to me is just knowing that they know that like they are loved, right? Like that there's no question. And so I talk to my kids about this all the time. I say, Hey, Aria, how much does daddy love you? Like a billion thousand trillion million. And she like mixed moshes all of the like various like numerical values. Say, well, you know, how long will daddy love you for? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Daddy will love you no matter. She always finishes with what? And like, you know, yeah, it's a cute moment, but it means more than just that cute moment. Like, yeah, I enjoy listening to my daughter's cute voice. And my son's now old enough to start to understand this and plays along. But like the thing that matters most to me is that they know that there's nothing else in the world. There's nothing they could do. There's no crime they could commit. There's no disappointment that they could exhibit. There's nothing they could do to change that. And like knowing that they know that gives me the comfort of recognizing that they know that they're loved and that they can take those L's. And that they can continue to be curious, and Daddy will try to support that in any way that he can. Yeah, it's hard to. It's yeah. Well, uh, yeah. If you're taking dad applications, let me know. Uh, yeah, no, that's. I mean, I mean, there's no other way. There's no other way to raise them. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, you know, we, we the Bitcoin stuff, the kid stuff. But I mean, this is all. This is all good, but. I think I think at this point, and Tyler, you can edit this. We can just chill and just talk, 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 talk normally. Talk how I would I would normally talk to, to you, which is, uh, you know, I, I I'm curious because I know what's going on in your personal life. Uh, what you've been doing? What have you been up to? I guess like what what's what's been keeping you busy? Uh, so I mean, I don't know. Like I I'm super 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 curious. So I read a lot. Um, I work out a lot. I work out as though I'm getting paid to work out, but no one's sending me a check. Um, I'm traveling a ton, which has been really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a bunch of trips alone? planned too. Uh, sometimes, yeah, and sometimes not alone. 
and you won't ask any follow-up questions there. And, uh, <laughs> and okay. you know, I mean, so, and then like, dude, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a weekend, every other weekend dad, um, throughout this process, there's been, you know, I mean, I, I have my kids at least 50% of the time, usually more. And when I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. Um, I get to see friends. I get to, I get to sleep. Nice. Um, but also I'm actually, you know, considering some, some other goals, man. When I was a kid, I mentioned this, I may have mentioned this before, but um, I wanted to be a surgeon when I was a kid. Um, and some of that was predicated on like growing up in the Bulls era in the nineties when Michael Jordan was like, you know, God. And I found that the guy that I found coolest on the Bulls wasn't Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen. It was Chip Schaefer, the Bulls sports doctor, which is so retarded and so weird to me. And, uh, and so the one opinion that mattered to me when I was growing up was one of my cousins, who's also my god brother, but he's older than me. He's like 15, maybe 20 years older than me. And his opinion mattered to me for some reason. And I think part of it is because he also was like just a super successful, super hardworking dude. And he's an orthopedic surgeon. He's done really well for himself, um, both financially and just in other ways as well. I really admire Tony. And, um, and so there was these two characters in my life that kind of were, you know, uh, sort of like the opinions and sort of the prototype of what I wanted to be. And then I also found that I was like really fascinated with the human body. Like I work out because I want to look good naked. There's no doubt. But I also work out because I'm fascinated by what my body can do. Right. And mm. I find that my body can do crazy. You know, like I wake up with a 150, 200 HRV and my resting heart rate like 38. And it's just like, I know that's not typical. You know, I've worked to achieve that effectively. And like, you know, I didn't always used to be fit, right? In fact, I started to get really, really fit when I had children and recognizing that, yo, if I'm gonna be a good dad, then I gotta be like a fit dude. And so like, there is these, there is these like various confluence and like uh, confluence of circumstances. And then the other thing is, is back in 08, I had a really bad foot injury. I snapped my foot or snapped my Achilles tendon, my mm. foot went right? I was left with this weird neurological condition that we won't bore you with. But in short, I've been in the OR over 50 times. Um, I had a spinal cord stimulator attached to my lower back. I had a control that controlled the nerve branches into my left foot. Um, it was a really bad time and experience. And what I realized was just like, yo, this is not going to be what my outcome is. Like, I am not going to be this dude. And so I threw caution to the wind and just got really strong. I just kind of went after it and pushed the pain to the side and recognizing that this is a signal from my brain to my foot, but it was sending the wrong signal. I'm not in harm. I'm not in fear. I'm just fine. And so I just shut that thing down and I went hard and now I don't experience any of those symptoms. And so, um, you know, I don't know. So part of what I've been like teasing with um, is I'm 38 and, you know, thinking about being the oldest kid in med school um, mm -hmm. and perhaps pursuing that childhood dream that sort of like, you know, kind of got pushed to the back. Like there was this like old, uh, this old parable. Uh, I guess it's not a parable, but historically there was a, uh, you know, Ben Franklin is out in France during the Revolutionary War trying to convince the French to come and help the American cause and that it would be good for France. And eventually John Adams is sent over as another emissary. And like Ben Franklin's like a fucking superstar. He's like Elvis of the day. And he's got like these fancy clothes and he's banging 10 chicks at these parties every night. And, uh, and he's at these fancy dinner tables and just like, you know, running the show. And John Adams shows up like this fucking farmer in rags and shit, you know? And he's kind of getting made fun of, right? But John Adams is a brilliant dude. And um, John Adams kind of famously says, he goes, you know, I, I have to be a farmer so that my kids can study math. My kids need to study math so that their kids can study art. 
and their kids need to study art so that their kids can go and be xyz right and it's just like this progression of thing and i recognize like i have to start that like it needed to start with me for me to break those chains for my kids and so part of why i went after what i went after is because i knew that to make the money that i wanted to make to be able to break the poverty chains that i wanted to break um, was not going to be another 10 years of school and perhaps making a few hundred more grand than the next guy it was you know, I got to go on the risk curve and I got to make this shit happen. And so now that like I've sort of built freedom into my life and that I get to choose what I get to do on a given day, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, you know, I'm thinking, man, maybe it might be time to go pursue that dream um, that you were thinking about when you were a kid. And, you know, working on the human body might be a fun thing to do. And so I've been taking steps to do that. I'm studying a lot, going to hang out with my cousin at his ambulatory surgery center to kind of watch what he does and see if I can get kind of a firsthand glance. And then I've been saying no to getting people to get me to or no to offers to, for people to get me to run their company. Cause I'm just like, I got my own company to run. I'm not even doing that. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> like, I don't know why, I don't know why people think that they can hire me or something. You know? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah. Um, so man, yeah, it might be like, I might cost myself like $10 million over the next 10 years and, and go to med school and maybe, uh, maybe cut some people open and help put them back together. That's amazing. That's amazing. Ben, I've got questions still, but but I, I want to give some space for you, buddy. Oh, very kind. I mean, I was just going to ask for anyone in the audience who doesn't know, including me, what what is the, in Britain, we would say back of a fag packet list, but I know you can't really say that word in the States. Um, how would you, if you were to write your list of key points in your life, on the back of a cigarette packet, what would they be? Like the 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 points that have led up, connecting the dots in hindsight that have led to where you are now. So like I know you as somebody who is involved, invested both financially and and sort of, I don't know, psychologically, emotionally in Bitcoin. And that is like, you know, you say I I that's real money. That's where I store my wealth. How did you acquire that? What was what was it? We know that you worked in a shoe store in a high-end shoe store on Michigan Avenue and that was like your first kind of taste and then what happened in the interim between sort of 17 and and 38 um yeah I guess uh I don't know like to I, to answer that question on the front end like I think there was a series of things that happened um and like I remember being eight years old and I was like eight or nine years old and I was like I asked to work at my elementary school and they paid me five bucks an hour to like paint baseboards and clean desks and sand the graffiti office. And like, I remember being on the back of bus rides, um, being the only non-African-American kid on the AAU basketball team, getting roughed up by, get your fill in the blank, fill in the blank, mama face ass, you know, rope <laughs> sessions for two hours. Like those are formative times. Dude, like I remember growing yeah uh right. yeah i mean you can go yeah, for yeah. it uh yeah. it doesn't bother me um the uh i mean like i don't know if i was to write a list i think there's there's probably like five or seven moments of trajectory change for me um and i think the most recent one was just my kids being born um mm. i was an innately and like motivated dude my entire life i think like that was very clear to me that like no one had to wake me up and tell me you know john go get your shit done and my mom was too busy <laughs> right Right. But when I had kids, my why changed in a really significant way. And if I had an existential experience, it was like I created humans. And right. um, and it really shifted things for me in a significant way. Um, but I think like, like the funny thing is like in my mind, 
like so i think like one of the things that bothers me about the bitcoin thing is like people see me as this bitcoin dude like in greater mm-hmm. circles and like my mind it's just like such a small part of like my life right like it's like i don't spend a lot of time thinking about things i've already figured out right like i don't spend a lot of time thinking about my times tables either like i got that figured out i've already <laughs> put it away you know like um and like for me um i just get a lot of meaning in like spending time with these humans like not just because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I don't want to have like an experience for my kids not to have a father, but also they're my favorite people to hang out with on the planet. Like just mm. objectively, like I enjoy yeah. hanging out with them. And I used to think of it as like kind of a soft thing to do. Like, Oh, well, you're just a dad. And it's just like, okay. You thought that you thought that at one point, yeah. you No, that's my point. Yeah, yeah. I thought that. Yeah. I'm not putting that on really? other people. I'm putting that on me. I mean, you know, like this idea of sort of being like the stay-at-home dad, um, you know, even though right. I was like CEO of a company that was scaling and growing and Inc. 500 five times and yada, yada, yada. You know, I built that. You know, I built it with, with, with help, but, you know, that started in my basement. Um, like, I don't know, like I felt like um, that was like sort of like a, a taboo thing, um, but I got a lot of joy from it. And so I extracted myself from the business slowly and surely so I could be around my kids. And I'm so glad but I have all these memories of my children and that I continue to formulate these memories of my children. And so like, for me, you know, I think about the fulfillment of my life and the thinking about how I want to spend my time, especially someone that's not chained to like, you know, economic constraints. And honestly, it's just a function of like not missing that time. Um, you know, if we're going to go super personal, I would tell you that like, I probably would have gotten divorced three years ago. Um, if, if it weren't for wanting to not have my kids a hundred percent of the time. Right. So like, it's, it's a super, super, like, you know, it just changed everything for me. Everything, everything that I thought I knew just changed in a significant way. Once, like once my humans were born, man. Um, so that might be the most recent trajectory change for me. Mm-hmm. But do you know why, why that's su- the reason why that surprises me, John, is like, I've gotten to know you through admittedly mostly audio, right. And Twitter and stuff like that. But like, to me, when I think of John, I think of someone very gregarious. I think of someone who's very like good with people, someone who enjoys connecting with people. And so it's, it's, it, I, I'm not going to, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it does surprise me a little bit that, that, you know, to me, I, I would think that that sort of person would like, Hey, like I understand the importance of relationships in all these other spheres of life. Like being a stay at home dad is kind of like a maximizing of, you know, arguably one of the, if not the most important relationships you have your entire life. So I'm curious, like what, what, what went, what was the shift or if, was there ever a shift or, or why did you think that? Or why did you not think that to begin to, to begin with? I mean, I, I guess I, I, like, I mean, the real honest answer is I don't know. <laughs> I just don't. Um, Fair enough. But like, I think if I was to, you know, quickly grasp that something, it just was like, I didn't have a father. Right. And so I was experiencing everything of fatherhood, like as a first time. And I realized like the template starts with me, right? There weren't traditions, there weren't lessons, there weren't like cute things to hand down that like I was going to create this all by myself. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there was a burden, but there's also like this freedom of just Mm -hmm. like, so I didn't didn't even know I was going to be a good dad. I was so nervous about being a dad. And I just, I found that like I've accomplished some really cool shit in my life and I've almost done nothing as well as being a father. I'm really proud of that. Wow. Um, and, you know, it'd be one thing if, like, I wasn't taking care of, like, the needs of my children and I was just spending all this time with them, right? 
But the reality of it is like, you know, my net worth could be four or five X what it is. It wouldn't change their lives at all. Right. Like, and so for me, it's a maximizing of like this, like this optimal mix of like making sure that their lives are insulated, that they have the opportunity to, to do the things that perhaps I didn't and also not missing a moment with them is, and Jordan Peterson kind of famously got to, you know, talked about like, you only get little kids for four years. And right. man, that shit went by fast with my daughter. I got two years left with my son and before he turns four. And it's just like, to me, I am just locked in on, the, on those moments. I don't, I don't take them for granted. There are times where I'm like, quite frankly, super emotional about it too. Um, late at night, I'm looking at photos um, and I'm just thinking about how fast this happened where she used to sit right here in my forearm. And right. now she's like, daddy, um, thank you for everything you do for us. Right. Like that all happened in such a short period of time. Right. And, uh, yeah. And, like know, it's going to sound really facile, but like the, the <laughs> point where that little brain can formulate that sentence itself and communicate it to you. And you know, she means it like that. That is, I don't know. I, I, I say this as somebody who looks forward to being a dad. That is not that, not that I'm expecting or anything, but like, just in my life that is something that i look forward to texting his girlfriend right now like babe you know the other night i mean if it's instructive and it's helpful for people then great you know um i wish everybody could spend as much time with their kids as i do um and you know now i have a window of time where i'm not with my children and i'm trying to maximize that as well right so like and I gave up a lot of things to be able to do that. And now I'm doing things for me as well, right? Like, so I'm not like, like I'm not with my children 100% of the time. I'm traveling, studying. What does that I'm look like? What does that look like? What is that? Okay. okay. I, I, like, is this like party and is this like a hip hop video? When you say I'm just doing things no, for myself, what does no, that mean? No, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Like, okay. I don't really like, I don't really like, I'm not like, oh my God, I missed out on this opportunity to like, you right. know. Like have hookers and coke it's not what i was into um it's not what i'm into um you know like for instance like even coming down you know you and i have plans for me to come down to columbia and i'm still you know making that happen and i find myself just going to like random places in between um but like it's a means of like yo i'm gonna get up and go see my buddy he just happens to be in columbia <laughs> you know like right, right. um or i'm gonna you know i want to go see you know the aurora borealis and so i'm gonna go hang out ricky Vic or like Hey, I really like you. Let's go on a date. Pick an island. You know, like it just yeah. changed the scope of it a little bit. Um, and I'm just like, you know, like I'm still figuring it out too. It's like pretty new, but like I find like a sense of freedom and happiness and an ability to like, you know, just focus on me, which is super nice. Um, that's been a recent kind of development, to be frank. What's the coolest thing then you've able you've been able to get to? You think? Um. That's a good question. I mean, you know, a lot of this is pretty recent, so this isn't like, you know, like this is year three of this, right? Um, but what I would say is like, you know, I, I've planned a lot of things that I'm really looking forward to. I've planned like seven or eight trips that I'm super, super looking forward to. But I think like this ability right now to like write my own book again, right? Like to be able to pursue a different domain. Like, it's just like, I'm looking around at my, I'm like looking around, I go to the gym, I look around and I see these guys like fervently texting and fervently emailing and fervently like, you know, stressed out. And I think to myself, well, I might just go take a nap. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so like one of the things that I'm enjoying right now and what I was doing a minute ago is I got my CGM on and I've been like focused on a new level of biohacking and just like, like I remember when I was broke, I used to be like, oh, money, 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 need more money, 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 money. And I felt like, you know, Maslowianly things changed. And now it's like, time, 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 time. I need more time, 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 time. And now what I'm doing is like trying to optimize that, right? And like optimizing the experiences within that time while I'm this age, while I'm this healthy. And like trying to like create a sense of longevity to make this shit last longer, right? And so like I'm invested in like, like, like trying to do that. And so and I got my continuous glucose monitor and I wanted to make sure this protein bar didn't spike it, you know, and I'm, you know, working on different things with different, um, with different like professionals to try to figure out how to like create this optimal, like healthy and longevity version of me. Mm. So I'm like super fascinated by that. And then it's like, most people don't get an opportunity to like be 38 and be like, yo, you know what? I think I'm going to go back and do that med school thing that I was thinking about doing for 10 years <laughs> when I was a kid. You know, so I'm just like enjoying it as I go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, the the uh, <laughs> yeah the, the morning workout fervor is is a thing. Uh, I even even in uh, Colombia, that is that is definitely. Is there trophy wife hour at, at in retiree hour at the gym in Colombia? Because I go during trophy wife and retiree hour, and I think of myself as a trophy wife while I'm there. Just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, here I'm one of you. (laughs) There is. It's like the post kid drop off, right? I drop my kids off at school, run over to the gym, and it's just like all the same bourgeois moms that I just dropped my kids off to. And then their husbands are off to work, and then I'm, you know, sitting there at the gym, you know, like with all the trophies. You know, when I when I was in the states, that there definitely was, right? When I was in the states, I my my gym was right downstairs. And, uh, yeah, my gym was right downstairs and it was like, I could go at any time. Like I, they, they'd usually show up around five or so, you know, or, 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 uh, either 5 PM or they'd show up right around 10 ish or 11 ish actually more. See, more so the 5 AM chicks are the working moms. The yes. 9 AM chicks are the trophy wives. They are the trophy wives. A hundred percent. Ben's writing this shit down in the background. By the way, well, I'm sitting there like in the like in the UK. I don't know whether it's just where I live, but there the are no gyms are just they are just festooned with girls wearing head to toe in Lululemon with their fucking phone propped up against something because they think they're going to be the next fucking TikTok star because they've suddenly learned how to do a squat. And hey, man, a lot of these girls, more, right, look, I look. You can point at me and say, like, you've got your priorities mixed up, young man. But I'm sitting there going, girl, you're going to put your fucking back out. Stop pushing your ass out. You haven't got one yet. You are going to cripple yourself. You have loaded that bar up with 140 kilos. What's that? 300 pounds. And you are pushing your ass out to try and accentuate it for the sake of the video, not the workout. Sort your priorities out, love. Sort your life out. Ben, do you know what's worse than that? You know what's worse than that? At some point, their nine-year-old kid is gonna fucking watch that video. Oh, like if we, if we, oh man. I mean, honestly, like there is no there. There's gonna be he's gonna be like nine years old. He's gonna be looking at his mom. He's gonna be like, so I know I got my third stepdad, but like what? 
what were you thinking, man? Like that was that <laughs> oh, was cool. John. John, like, there's a friend. There's a friend of mine. Okay, this is this is an old story now, so I can feel like I can tell it. We were we were walking around our hometown. He was talking to me about a girl that he'd seen who he was going to see again, and that she was on OnlyFans, which is a whole other kettle of fish, which we can get into if you want. But she also had a four-year-old son, and he was talking about going to sleep with her again. And I said, "Don't, don't do it, please, don't do it." And he goes, "Why?" It's like think of the boy, think of the boy. He's he's going to have enough to deal with when he hits secondary school and realizes his mum's on OnlyFans. You going around and him hearing his mum getting plowed upstairs by you, because even at four, his instincts know why you're there. He doesn't know the technical details. He doesn't know the biological actions that are taking place, but he knows that you're not there for tea party. He knows that you're not there to sit down for a meal. He knows that you're there for something. And even if he doesn't know it now, in four years, he's going to figure it out. Exactly. He's going to fucking know it. And I was sitting there going, think think of the boy. You can't do it. It, You've got to think (laughs) about the boy. Do it for the boy. Or don't do it for the boy. And this, like, honestly, that's where I'm sitting there going, like, even as somebody without kids, I'm there going, "These, these people, I mean, I say that as somebody who is trying to monetize my ability to have a conversation. So, Pot calling ke- the kettle black, just no, a touch. No, 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 don't you. Du- no, 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 no. This is totally. No, I'm not equating different. it. I, that's why I say just no, a no, touch. No. I'm not here's exactly why. equating here's, myself to a fucking OnlyFans model. Here's why. There, there are girls who. I, so I attracted a following on, on, on Clubhouse, and then on, you know, on a couple of other social media sites. Right, one social media site in particular, I have a really big following, and I attracted peep followers through my ideas. It is a totally different thing. It doesn't right. matter whether you speak them yeah. or not. Okay, okay. Their ideas. The fact that your ideas are worth as much as a hot chick says more about the hot chick than it. Well, actually, it says more about. Well, you. now that that no, is as yet like, unproven. It's like a penny a dozen, man. It, there's, right. Like, there, there's just so many. Like here's what I here's what the real flex is. You know what it is? The real flex. Like, listen, anybody with a little bit of money and a camera and a filter, she can be sexy. Anybody, correct, right? Anybody, right? Correct. And what I learned, all right. So one of the first dates I went on when I became single, I think Basil knows chick <laughs> is too, but she uh she showed up with like almost no makeup on. Ooh, yeah. That's the flex. Yeah. That's the flex. Yeah. I'm like, that's oh, okay. I see you. Mm. Um. Well, I have no makeup on either, so now we have something in common. <laughs> uh, but I was just like, I was astonished by it. And, and I it's going to be the same woman in the morning. Right. Well, there, and also it says something to me about who she sees herself as. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, when I was younger, I was into hot chicks. And when I got older, I realized the hot chick was just a lot different than the hot chick I thought it was. Right. And a lot of the reason that I'm into the girl that I like now is like she's really unpronounced with her makeup. She can challenge me intellectually in a few ways that anybody on the planet can, right? And like that to me is like a new level of sexy. That's what the new flex is, right? Like these mm. fucking like Lululemon, aloe, you know, whatever pants that like make my ass look good too, right? Like that's not going to be the look. It's just not going to be the look. It's not, it's good. Like go look at chicks from the 1980s, the hottest chicks from the 1980s. They're not that hot. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. not and and so like you know what i see in a different they, they way. might be yeah for yeah, sure but what i see way. is beautiful like for me 
Like, and I've experienced this like pretty easily and recently recognizing that I can't just be with a hot chick. That's just not my look. Plenty of hot chicks out there. I've had a couple of, you know, few dozen offers of hot chicks. And I'm just like, this isn't my thing. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't just be, I can't have an arm piece, you know, like I don't, mm. that's not my style, man. And I think one of the things when I see it, like, right, I used to see a dude who was with this average chick and be like, wow, dude, that dude's got no self-confidence. And what I've learned is that that motherfucker was the best man in the yes. room. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. I used to think, I used, I just tweeted this the other day. I used to think that uh, hot chicks uh, were dumb until I realized that the only uh, uh, hot chicks who talked to me were dumb, which is, which is a whole different... Or maybe they were marketing to a certain demographic, you know what I'm saying? Right, like... right. and I was just like, so, so what does that say about me? And it sent me down this whole, you know, you know set of self-reflection that, that I resonate with in what you're saying, so... And I'm not even like, I'm not even the fucking like Kevin Samuels, high quality man. Right, it's not my sure, style. sure. Whatever. Not my thing. Yeah. I don't tell women what to do, but what I'm trying to let you know is the market's changed, yo. And it's the girl <laughs> that's not wearing fucking 14 pounds of makeup. It's the girl that's not wearing yeah. the handbag that I bought her. It's the girl that's not like, you know, like, you know, wearing the same fucking tight pants and like, like, like I go to, I go to these like gyms that are like, you know, filled with these types of women. Yes. And I find myself completely unattracted to the BBL. Like, it's just like not a look for me. It's not my style. I'm in a lot of group chats. Not to brag, I have friends. Yeah, right. This guy started. A, I, I, I go have humans, your, man. Go make some humans. I, I see six. <laughs> I see your six AirPods, and I match you uh, six six uh, group chats. No, uh, I, I I'm in a lot of group chats where dudes will share women's Instagrams, and I hate it. I don't, I'm and I'm not saying this to make myself look good because I'm going to be honest with you. I truly. Do not find these women attractive, genuinely, genuinely. And then, and, and I think, and part of it is, it's a couple of things. One, I've never been into BBLs. I like a big butt. Uh, I'm a, I'm an ass man. My father was an ass man. I'm presuming his father was also. <laughs> I come an from ass an esteemed man. line of ass men. Esteemed line line of ass men. So I know I like a nice butt, but I don't I don't know. I used to, so I used to be in comedy, right? I used to be in entertainment. And then, and then I used to buy like bodybuild seriously. And though, though both those things exposes you to a certain level of attractive people and, and women. And I learned a lot about what I didn't like. And I learned that I don't like a lot. In fact, I don't like most. Like in fact, so I, it's very rare for you to like anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I feel you on that. And you know, the, the great thing about being in this, like, is you and I, I don't think are very far apart in age. Like, I think this is a golden period, right? But like, I still don't have a refractory period. And I have this knowledge to be able to with like, to filter through through the bullshit where I'm not wasting yeah. my time, yeah. which is incredibly precious to it. Um, I've got six years to catch up to with it. you in terms of success. How old are you? Yeah. For, well, hold on a second. We're not the same age. I'm 32. Oh, damn it. All right. Well, I'm 38. So it's I've bad. been 43 for 32 years now, though. So that's fine. Like, it's, <laughs> I understand the confusion. Got to hear, man. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I think this is like a good, this is a good age, man. If you can kind of come to those wisdoms before you're 50 and you're in a good spot to really enjoy it. And I mean, especially with like longevity tools and if you're taking care of yourself, 
you know, like then you really still kind of like can exist in that marketplace would be the one that gets to, you know, dictate that, that, that sort of leverage. And like, for me, man, I, you know, it's, I, I resonate with that. Like, I know what I don't like and there's very few things that I do like. And with the time that I have to spend, I'm very, very particular about it. So that's kind of where I'm at. Ben, keep that, keep when, that notice, dude. Cause you're probably when you, when you talk about, <laughs> when you, when you talk about getting this knowledge before you're 50, I feel like it's only because of the, the craziness that we're living through that that's happened it's it's a catalytic reaction like it it it, it that that we figure this shit out like baz has joked with me before like being being an engaged man at 20 or well, i got engaged when i was 26 and so he goes he baz baz is there going like wow that's really that's punk that that's that that's that that's, are you that's still punk. engaged i'm still engaged yeah <laughs> i'm getting married yeah all right well congrats i'm so sorry like i know i'm telling you this like while you're in the happiest moments of like your life man i i definitely i i i would encourage guys to wait a little bit longer but that's your life man you know you might i want the best for you so i hope it all works out well for me because i i i find i don't i don't think we disagree on principle i think we disagree on execution only because i'm only 27 so i don't know what it's like to be have you talked about do you want to have children have you talked about that with your with your fiance that's one of the primary motivators for us have you talked about how you want to raise your children what the roles and responsibilities will look like and how we have these these are the things that like like i think where most people get tripped up and you could avoid really, really terrible outcomes and really, really painful outcomes if you really, really navigate that really well. And so I would encourage you to like, there is no, there's like no amount of preparation around that. There's no such thing as too much communication around like raising children. Um, it'll be the hardest thing you ever do. And I think like the more you guys like map that out, the the better success you're more likely to have. And by the way, I don't want to be that guy telling people what the fucking do with their lives. You know, it's not my style. So. But that's not how it's I'm not taking it. Way. I'm taking it as I somebody do. who has more life experience than me transposing some of that onto me. And I appreciate yeah. it. And if there was but any like other the- guy to take that advice from, it's John. like I do look to John, like I'm serious about this, John, like you are someone I look up to and I would ask for advice. So just keep that in mind, Ben. Yeah. Well, the reason the reason I'm looking to do it is because um, I don't know when I really figured this out. In hindsight, and I say this to my friends now when they ask me about it, because I, I have a feeling that I'm going to be the only one out of my group of friends that's going to be married for a long time. Um, that's sure. just my hope. I hope so. And it's... <laughs> his fiance, by the way, when she watches this episode, is like that fucking dildo. Like, oh, she she, she won't look. I don't even think she's going to watch these. She does. She she can't believe that anyone would want to listen to like anything over forty five <laughs> minutes. She's astounded that like she goes like who who watches this? So, no, they, I'm glad they this shit is buried at the end because she's definitely not going to make it an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the reason. The reason being is I, I figured out, and I want, I want to get your thoughts on this. So I, I don't know whether I figured it out or made the discovery or made a decision or whatever, that sustaining a relationship is the far more elusive challenge mm. than chasing tail. I think, I think actually taking on that, that uh, responsibility of 
committing somebody and making that work is far more engaging, rewarding, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's the real challenge. It, it's Baz and I talked sure. about this on a previous episode when we were talking about dating apps. Is particularly on something as as rinse and repeat as dating apps, it becomes just that. It becomes rinse and repeat. Whereas sustaining a relationship is is difficult and it's not always easy. It's like it's interesting. We were having a we were having a, a conversation. Hey, Basil, was, I want you to know I'm t- I'm listening, but I got to take this photo as evidence that I'm not ignoring phone calls. Sending <laughs> a picture. A picture take as many as you want. We can pose no, for just, her if she wants. Uh, yeah, touche. I just think she thinks I'm ignoring her, and I'm definitely not. <laughs> But now I'm listening to this, and I agree with the underlying sentiment. So keep going down that chain, Ben. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know which came first. Like looking back in hindsight, I think I I don't think you you find a wife until you've decided you want to be a husband. Uh, I think that has to happen first, and I I because that's definitely what happened in in my case. Because I remember her asking me, she said like, if we met three, four, five years ago, would we still be together? And I was like, no, no, we wouldn't. Because I, I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in that. I was, I still was very cynical. Like my parents aren't together and it's, I, I, there's definitely some of that in there. Like I've had people say that to me a lot. I've had people that are my age say that to me in a very scathing way. Oh, you're only getting married because your parents are divorced. And so you're trying to write, write, or they haven't said this last bit, but like they're speculating that I'm trying to, write some kind of historical wrong or break some kind of curse and maybe they're right um but i this is where i find speaking to somebody like you inspiring john because it makes me sit there and go no i'm getting married because i want to um we can break down the reasons but and we can psychoanalyze it and i'm more than happy i find doing that quite fun to be honest but um it's because i want to and it's because i found somebody who and this ties it back into what we were talking about earlier with when you're talking about the hot chicks and um oh, they don't they don't fit me i don't need an arm piece like the number one thing that attracted me to this person to be my wife is attitude mm. um is just that her attitude and her her outlook and and her approach to to life and her approach to us as a as a relationship that's what made me do it she's gonna fucking kill me she said that the one thing that one thing I had to tell her, promise her, when we were doing this podcast, was that I wouldn't talk about her. You can blame oh, me. My bad. You can my blame bad. No, dog. no, it's fine. Because again, me. like in the same, find the out, same find realm. out her favorite bottle of wine, and I'll send it to you guys. Finish it out. Like, <laughs> there you go. There you go. He's getting married soon, so it, yeah, and it's anyway. It's too. It's yeah, Mazel for today. You are a man. The, uh, also, sixty thousand people think uh, you're a sexist, Ben, because I tweeted that out. Uh, and someone, one of my friends with a big following, retweeted it pretty much immediately. So it's basically over for you. Wait, uh, say so that again. On. Wait, wait. What makes me the sexist? Hmm? What's that? No, which wait, bit? This is so. This is okay, John. This we were having a conversation on uh, how much what women contribute in the workplace and what makes their contribution oh, unique and valuable. Sake. And what's oh, hold on. I, listen, I'm still CEO of the company. Do not, I'm not commenting on this. I'm not getting so, into a lawsuit, but I, I will mean, sit I here and listen. I am detailing okay. a story. You are all just right, listening. Just, all right, got so, it. And so, so, so Ben, uh, good old Ben, uh, chimes in and says, well, yeah, what they contribute is like so important. And I was like, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and he was like, 
yeah, like for example, let's say you worked at like a car shop, right? And uh, you know, it's if it was just men, it would be filthy. It'd be disgusting. Uh, but like with women there, uh, it's clean. And uh, and I said, are you suggesting that women's contribution to the workplace is is cleaning? And uh, and uh, he he paused for a moment uh, and said, no, 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 that's not it. Then immediately proceeded to another <laughs> example. Immediately proceeded <laughs> to another example where he said, "Hey man, don't judge a man till he's thirty. Man, they're still figuring this shit out. Man, give him some fucking." I'm giving some flack. The second example was, yeah, I mean, like, for example, like with my fiance, like I can't just, I can just, uh, you know, put a shirt somewhere and they just, they are not okay with that shirt just being there, right? They've got to clean effortlessly within five minutes he does this, right? So, uh, yeah, good job, buddy. Uh, still, still trying to figure out what, like, where, where. Wait, so you tweeted this? Out By the way, you realize, you realize he doesn't even understand what he did wrong there, which I kind of agree with him. I'm on his I'm team not, here. I regret I'm on your nothing. Team, man. I regret I nothing. And I'm not. Look, I, I was, I was. Come here. I was actually about to go in and try and explain it. I'm not even going to explain it. I'm not going to explain it. I, like, I, I agree with it. Look, I didn't say I didn't agree with him. I just found it funny that a writer for the Daily Wire immediately retweeted. <laughs> Wait, I haven't even seen this. What is this? You should go check it out. I tagged you in it. This is the. I haven't been you on use your Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter today. Jesus Christ! So that's a healthy, so, ha- that's so, a healthy habit, homie. It is a healthy habit, but we're trying to run a goddamn business. So here's the thing: a, a business being <laughs> built. On social media and us talking, you absolute face. Look, I so didn't. No. I didn't have. I, no, fuck you for a second. I okay. didn't. I. I have Fair. been so contaminated by by you and your <laughs> insatiable need for attention online, made of bits and bytes and and megabits per second. I got rid of Instagram. I got rid of Twitter. I was on the verge of getting rid of Facebook. I was getting rid of all of it. I was. I was cleansing myself. <laughs> absolutely cleansing myself i was having better workouts i was having better sleep and then you go oh we need a twitter account because you need to let people know what you think no one gives a fly i don't care what i think the following day i don't care what i think and i am spitting an unreasonable amount of my own psyche out into the cosmos for no appreciable tangible determinable reason because for some reason you have duped me into thinking People want to hear it. That is how weak my ego is that you send me a message on Clubhouse and you say, hey, you'd be good on a podcast. And I f***ing melted. Why? Why did I melt? Why did I leave my spot? Is that where you you meet all your hoes? I'm a busy man. All right. (laughs) An ink 500... I'm trying, okay, my best. I'm getting there, all right? I've got my own schemes. Until then, however, uh, yes, that is, that is, that is a, it is a good place for hoedom, if you will, and a good place to, to, uh, to harvest. Good place. It's a good place for autism, too, if you come into our room. This is, <laughs> I mean, 
That's a that is this is not a time to brag. My contribution my contribution to Bitcoin was just teaching people how to talk to people. That was it. It was no code. <laughs> I don't I don't go I don't go into a room unless like I write I write code for a living. I hang out amongst autistes all day, right? Like I'm usually yeah. the one that people pick to to like especially especially on the board, like or any of the, our execs. They'll from from any of the leads or from any of the directors. They'll be like. Who should we put up forward? I'll put Basil up. He's the only one not wearing a Rugrats t-shirt. So I'm that guy. Right? So like, I'm like, He's not rocking a Pokemon hat backwards. Yeah. Right, right, right. We can put him in front of the client and he can guide, you know, guide us through the technical solution. So, so I get it, but I only go in and into a Bitcoin room. And this is on Clubhouse for anyone listening. If John or Jimmy are in it, if they're not, I have no interest. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to talk about seed oils or whatever the fuck. Basil only likes about. to hang out with the black guys is what he's trying to tell you. Since I'm a doctor. <laughs> That's what he's really trying to tell you. But yeah, I just, I just hang out with the black dudes in Bitcoin. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's not, I mean, it's just, I can't, man. I do it all day for a living, man. Like, I kinda, next, time, like, next time we do this, we got to talk fitness, man. I'm over here like biohacking my way to 200 years old, man. That's what we got to do next time. Fuck Bitcoin. Bitcoin I would love that. No, I mean, look, John, here's the thing, man. I have the utmost love for you. I have the utmost admiration for you. I know you know, man. Uh, we hang out in, in different spaces, but every single time we get a chance to talk, um, I come I to your turf though the most, don't you think? I come into your turf and have you to do. deal with that like dumb you, shit. You, you <laughs> do, you do. I I don't come to your turf because I deal with smart shit all day. And by the end of yeah. the day, I want to, you know, like as yeah, soon as five, dumb as, shit. I hear you. as soon as five, like five or six hits, right? Like between you know during business hours, I, I'm I'm I talk like this. I speak like a professional. As soon as six o'clock hits. I just I start I shout into a phone. Put your pussy lips on live, and I'll give you a thousand dollars. Like that's <laughs> that's. I'm looking at I'm looking at flights right now from Chicago to to Medellin. I got to make it out. There you go. There you go. No, but but seriously, John, you're someone I look up to. Um, and and if you don't know who me who John is, and go look him up. He's just he's he's one of those again one of those rare individuals that somehow remains pleasant despite being successful and. Uh, there's not a lot of those around, and, and we're really lucky to have them. I mean, I appreciate it. I, I joined meeting Ben as well. I'm over here looking at flights to go to, to Columbia because that's what my life is now. I just pick up and go. Um, Come on down. Yeah, man. I got an extra exciting. room for you. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for joining. I, may, I, I, might have to stay, I might have to stay at whatever the Ritz equivalent is in the Medellin. In Medellin. How dare you? I live in a penthouse, you bitch-ass nigga. All right. I will concede, and I will stay with you. I just don't like to, I don't like imposing on people. You know, I don't like bothering I'm people. I'm Arab. That's all we do. <laughs> yeah, we just take people. It's true. If you look at Jordan and Lebanon, they're like the size of Indiana and Michigan, and they've taken more refugees bro, than the rest of the world combined, bro. and they don't have any money. So bro, crazy bro, bro, bro. Bro, my dad called me the other day. He's like, hey, I'm going to, I'm coming. Uh, I can't stay for a month, unfortunately. And that was like, <laughs> hell. No, like, Ben, this oh. is a true story. I want to tell this story before I bounce because I, I really want to try to get a second workout in and I'm going to Alinea in a few yeah. hours. I'm going to get fat. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's like, how do people eat 13 courses? And why do we pay to eat 13 courses? That, that's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid, but whatever. So, You're and paying none for of the adjectives. Like, 
Ben, I want you to look up Alinea because this place is dumb. It's like they leave you with a menu because there's no way you could properly remember all the shit you ate and you couldn't even like you you don't even know what you're looking at. It's like reading Latin, you know. It's like anywho. So it's one of these joints where like you pay for a ticket before you go type thing. It like books out forever, and like if you take a girl there, then she definitely has to put out, even though I'm not putting out. Just just for the record. <laughs> and, uh, and, so anyhow, um, before I head out, there's this, there's this like take on on like Jordanian culture, right? So if someone knocks on your door, you bring them in for three days, you feed them, bathe them, you know, you take care of them, yada yada yada. And on the third day, right, you don't even kick them out. You just like, yo, is everything cool? <laughs> and it's, it's like, are you safe? It's like, is there somewhere we can take you? You can stay here as long as you need. And that is literally Jordanian culture in a nutshell, man. It's crazy to me. I find it mm. fascinating. Somehow I've got that built into my DNA somehow, but I never want to impose on others, which is Look, kind of the here's, here's what here's what you. I'm serious when process. I say this. Here's what I'm saying. I'm serious when I say this. You can stay as long as you want. When you get sick of me, that's what matters. I have a maid. I've got every, you know food, all that shit. It's all that's it's fine. We're fine. You don't want to have to lift a finger. Yeah, I'm Colombia. I'm doing this all wrong, man. I'm you really are. You really I just, are. I got kids. I'm tethered. And I don't. I, don't, I like them too that's damn true. much. I can't that's abandon true. them. That's you know what I mean? Like it's like. That's if you one thing about it, like them. I'm like, go fuck. I have to tell them to go fuck <laughs> off. But like, I really like these little kids, man. They're so cool. They're so I, fucking cool. They're the most adorable children in the world. That being said, I enjoy having a personal assistant, a maid, and a cook. Yeah. Just saying. That's just saying. It's great. So, All right, man. Anyways, John, by the way, for anyone, for anyone you need watching to do, do me a favor. When I'm there, make sure we have a pad waiting for me to buy in Colombia, and I'll just have a place down there next to you. How about that? I, I, I don't – again, I'm serious when I say this. Come down at any time. You'll have a room ready. As soon as you get sick of me, there's a, literally a hotel a, – a heist. There is a, there is a Ritz-Carlton, like, right – I'm pointing to it right down there. You'd be fine. You get sick of me, looking, it's right I'm, there. I'm, I'm going to try to make a move mid-February to come down and see you. Let me know, brother. Right. John, it was good to have you, brother. Thank you. Peace, man. Good meeting you, Ben. Pleasure meeting Hopefully you. You're, sorry to your audience. Nice, nice talking <laughs> to no, you. No, that guys. was quality. That was fun. No, great, Thanks, buddy. Real privilege to chat.